Hey, welcome to the Mind Your Health Podcast. I'm so glad you can join us. I'm your host, Dr. Mina Merholm. I'm a board-certified psychiatrist and an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry in Columbia University. I'll be speaking with some of the leading experts in mental health around the world to learn how we can incorporate principles of lifestyle changes, our faith, as well as some of the leading innovations in mental health to learn how we can live happier and more fulfilled lives. And hopefully we'll have some fun along the way. I hope this inspires you and encourages you to mind your health. Welcome to our viewers back to our Mind Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Mina Merholm. And today I am so delighted to have my guest, someone who I've looked up to for a long time and had a chance to be in the same room from and learn from, Dr. Vivian Pender, who is the president of the American Psychiatric Association and clinical professor of psychiatry in Will Cornell. Welcome, Dr. Pender. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Mina, for having me and inviting me to speak with everyone. This is a great service that you're providing. I appreciate that so much. Just your encouragement is so important to me. And and I I wanted us to take a few minutes today to to chat. I know there's a subject that's been near to you and it's been on on my mind for some time as well. This whole subject of physician wellness, of course, the pandemic has been really tough on everyone, especially folks though who are in the front lines and the trenches kind of caring for folks can you just kind of give us an idea of how big of a, of a problem has this been, the, the impact on physician wellness in terms of suicide, depression, just so folks kind of get a better idea of how much this has been really impacting physicians? Well, as you may know, physicians are reporting increased burnout during the pandemic. I mean, burnout was already a problem for physicians before the pandemic, but it's much, much worse now, especially in women. So, for example, a survey of 12,000 physicians showed a 20% drop across the board of all specialties, and it was even worse in women by another 20%. And then on top of that, racism is another factor that is adding tremendously to the burden for healthcare workers of color. The situation is very worrisome, I think. I agree. And I think because you're seeing here, there's reason for concern and there are all these sort of multifactorial elements between the burden of racism and the burden of just kind of misinformation has been a huge factor for us as well. And then sometimes when we're discussing with physicians kind of the elements that come into play, we sort of veer into self-care, you know, why you should as a physician just kind of take better care of yourself, which is of course important. You know, everyone should, should have that as a priority, but can you speak to a bit more of kind of the systemic contributions, the things that are system-wide issues that are contributing to this pressure on physicians? You know, burnout and mental health issues can overlap. Nearly half of the healthcare workers reported serious psychiatric symptoms during the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a study in psychiatric services. The World Health Organization defines burnout as an occupational phenomenon, but in real world terms, it is a feeling of physical and emotional exhaustion in dealing with the task at hand. It can lead to depression and withdrawal from work and life, and in the worst case scenario, increased drug use and suicide. And the three most common factors that are cited by physicians contributing to burnout were too much administrative red tape, too many hours, and too much work and not enough support. Mm -hmm. The biggest factor is a feeling of betrayal by the system. I hear physicians saying, 
I didn't sign up for this to now feel that my life is at risk doing this work and worse, being sometimes threatened by anti-science believers. No one minds being asked to do extra work, but you don't wanna feel like you've been left out on a limb without support. So a lot of people in healthcare feel abandoned and betrayed. That's so powerful. There are some things that employers and leaders and administrators can do that I would suggest, and there's lots of material on this on the APA website. They have to create a culture of concern, support and advocacy for their staff. Have a wellness office, you know, a central location that people can go to if they're not feeling well. Periodic check-ins. And during the crisis, when, when there is a crisis, we need to have hotlines as we did in New York City and clear-cut demands on mental health services for their healthcare workers and emphasize that they're not alone. Hmm. There's just one more thing that I would add. The APA has a committee on psychiatrist well-being and burnout. They've developed numerous resources to help support and protect psychiatrists and other healthcare workers. And earlier this year, the APA Committee on Disaster Psychiatry also developed a guidance document, a long guidance document. And these are all available on the website psychiatry.org. That's incredible. And I think it speaks to the fact that the APA is really understanding that this is not simply an issue, as you're saying, where physicians are, you know, so that we're making, we want more money or that we just want to have less work to do. But it's, it's really this issue of support and not feeling that you're alone in a, in a battlefield. That's the, sometimes the feed, feedback I've gotten from docs is I'm, on, I'm in the trenches, I'm on the front lines, and I feel like I'm being sort of left, you know, to hang out to dry there that by, by myself. So it's, it sounds like from what you're saying is that there are things that institutions can be doing, uh, employers can be doing. And, and I want to just unpack that for a moment when you said sort of demanding the role for mental health. Oftentimes, there, there is sort of this idea that it's like a, a nice addition. Uh, we also offer some additional counseling. Why do you think this is something that needs to be a priority for employers sort of across the board? I think that given the circumstances of this tremendously increased demand on healthcare workers and who can't keep up, many of them cannot keep up with this demand, that something has to change. There was already a high amount, a high percentage of healthcare workers reporting burnout even before the pandemic. And now it's just so much worse. Things have to change. And as you're alluding to, it has to become a more central focus of every healthcare system. Absolutely. And I love what you said here as well in terms of both the response in crisis. Oftentimes when we hear, for example, of a, of a tragic suicide of a physician, then there's sort of a, a knee-jerk response. Well, we should be doing something now because there's a crisis. But it sounds like you're really balancing it between crisis resources as well as prevention. That we, we shouldn't have to wait until a tragedy comes for us to begin to act. Absolutely. We need to actually prepare for the next crisis, you know, whether it's climate change, a natural disaster, or some other kind of, you know, human-made disaster. There will be another crisis, mm -hmm. and we need to prepare for that. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned sort of the all the work that the APA has done in terms of developing resources and having guidance 
has it been a challenge from an advocacy standpoint to be able to have this voice to say, these are the things that we're advocating for, or I know the APA has always been sort of at the forefront of fighting for physicians for these things. Can you speak a little bit to uh, the advocacy portion of kind of what are the things that the APA has been uh, trying to push forward in this regard? I'll mention a few things that the APA is doing on the federal level. We're working with Congress to advocate for federal action to uh, support something like the Dr. Lorna Breen Healthcare Provider Protection Act. Dr. Breen was an emergency department physician who died by suicide after feeling very overwhelmed, becoming ill herself with COVID and, and then died by suicide. So that act would improve mental health and prevent burnout among healthcare providers, and it provides funding for that effort. And one other thing the APA is advocating for at the federal level is federal oversight of parity implementation. Although parity is a federal law and has been for years, it is not always enforced. So, you know, that's another way of supporting psychiatrists. That's tremendous. And I can tell you from on the, on the ground, many psychiatrists kind of have this feedback that if their parity was better enforced, that would at least be a portion of their day that's spent less, you know, kind of advocating for the patient to just have equal coverage. And one other thought I wanted to kind of get your, your perspective on is in this whole crisis, as you mentioned, there's a national approach of kind of how we're going to try to get back on track from a mental health standpoint as a country, but there's also an international component to this as well, you know, and as we're speaking about COVID and vaccines locally, as well as vaccines globally, one part of the conversation that sometimes can be neglected is, is the impact on the rest of the world. And I know you've worked a lot with, with the UN over the years and you have a passion for global mental health. Can you speak a little bit to the opportunity here for us to sort of understand the scope globally of mental health problems across the world and, and why that's important for us to keep in mind that it's not just about us here in the States? Sure. Thanks so much for that question. You know, mental health worldwide has long been an important focus. Over the almost 20 years I've spent working with UN entities, the focus on mental health has never been more pressing than it is now. Everyone is aware that, for example, the World Health Organization has predicted that by the year 2030, depression will be ranked number one in the global burden of disease. And that is comprised of disability-adjusted life years and years lost to disability. So they use those metrics. So lives will be shorter and there'll be more suffering, more inability to, to function and to work. And 2030 isn't that far away. And I'll give you two examples of, of some really good things that are happening. So first of all, there are more and more psychiatry residency programs that offer a global mental health track. And a lot of residents are engaging in that mental health track. There's a curriculum of readings and faculty. And when people can travel, they'll be able to resume going to a place staying for anywhere from one to six months engaged in clinical research or trainings in, in mental health. So that's one thing that's going on, the psychiatry residency trainings. And another most recent thing that happened was 
a colleague, a friend of mine received an NIH grant to import a mental health services program that he was doing in a, a low income country and with great results and applying that to a low income area of New York City, kind oh. of proving that some of these programs that are successful in other countries can be imported to similar low income areas in the US or anywhere around the world. So we're very excited about that. That's really incredible. I think it really speaks to how when we can see that we're interconnected, that our, our struggles here, mental health things that we go through can be so similar to where things are globally. I'll tell you just anecdotally for me, I remember going abroad to Africa as a, as a student and feeling like, oh, I wish I was doing surgery or something that would be more useful. And then later on, years, years later, going back and seeing, well, psychiatry is actually really useful around the world too. So that was an encouraging thing to see that there's a huge need and there's something that we can do kind of around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure you had a great experience. It was, it was. And, I, and I'm continuing to sort of be encouraged by your example now to be more involved in global, you know, global mental health initiatives. And I just want to thank you so much, Dr. Pender, for, for your leadership, for your example, for, you know, all your guidance throughout the years and, and your passion for both local and global mental health and for taking the time to chat with us here for a couple of minutes. Thank you so much for having me and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Please take a second to rate and review as this helps us reach more people. And until then, please don't forget to mind your health. See you soon.